0: This is Karen Hunter and welcome to The Hub. Let me bring in this man who's an accountant. I think he also has a law degree. He also, he knows all of the things, all of the tax laws, and he's a family member. Y'all can tune in every Saturday right here on Sirius XM channel 126, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 126. Let me welcome the great, the one and only Lou Hutt from the Lou Hutt Show. Hey. Hey, Karen.
1: Listen, so good to be with you. And, and what better day to do it than uh, the tax filing deadline?
0: Listen, I, okay, so I wanted to be stressed out today. This is the first year that I have actually paid estimated taxes for the next year. I am
1: proud of you.
0: Let me tell Well, my accountant was like, look, <laughs> he was like, well, you know, it, you- it takes the stress
1: and the trauma away because you pay as you go and that's the beauty thing beautiful thing about estimated taxpayers i heard you mention uh, side hustles part-time businesses full-time businesses just a second ago and the opportunity that you have as a business person is that you can claim a whole wide universe of deductions that are related to operating your business however the responsibility is that now you don't have a big brother or a big sister to withhold taxes you actually have to pay them over yourself preferably on a quarterly basis and uh, that not only as you say it kind of eliminates that problem where you have this balloon payment after the end of the tax year but it also takes you out of the realm of being penalized for failure to make these quarterly estimated tax payments
0: So uh, full disclosure, this was the largest tax bill I've ever had in my entire life, probably collectively over my entire existence as a human being, because for my first maybe decade of decade or two of paying or being a tax paying citizen, I was getting a refund. You know,
1: you You had a great year, Karen. You don't have to tell everybody on the air, but Uh, listen, as a CPA, I know what that means. You had a great
0: year. I did. Well, that's what my accountant said. But I was like, you know what, though? You know what, though? And I got to pay estimated. So this is the problem, Lou, Lou Hutt. Uh-huh. I not yes. only had to pay the I, the R, and the S, but then he was like, you need to pay estimated taxes for your state and the feds. You know, I was like, w- from where? where? What the hell? How? How? You know, that is
1: precisely, Karen, why I preach and teach every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 11, as you mentioned, and then an encore from 3 to 5. This is why I preach uh, to people. It's good to be proactive. You know, it's good to get ahead of this thing. See, and the reason we talk about the tax thing, and we, we link it into personal finances and business development and all that kind of stuff, but it's just that That line item of income tax, federal, state, and if you're self-employed, you've got to pay the uh, Social Security and Medicare tax. You know, that runs up if you really put the numbers together. And I know we try to camouflage it it in the tax world, but it's about 50%. It is. So if we don't manage it and and be proactive about strategies,
0: and that's what we try to talk about very often, then people pay more than their fair share. Let's talk strategy. And, you know, for many of us, we look at these billionaires. So this was the conversation I had with my accountant. I'm like, why am I paying so much taxes and Elon Musk is not paying or this one's not paying? He said, because they he said, really smart, rich people, because he was shading me, smart, rich people, they earn their income off of their investments. Oh, that's what he said. He said, so you just got to enlighten the accountants. He said, you got to get your, you got to get your investment, your, your, your portfolio up so that you can live off of your investments and not off your income, less income, more investments. And I was like, my mind was blown because I had been hearing this over and over again, like whether it's your stock account or your real estate or what have you, if you can Uh collect income off of those things monthly or even annually and not pay yourself if you're self-employed, put that money into stocks and stuff instead of paying yourself a salary, then you can, You now you're in a different tax bracket. I was like, well, brilliant.
1: Tell you me. are preaching the gospel. Let's just look at it real simple. Um, the maximum tax rate for income that's earned from services is 37%. The maximum tax rate For investment income is 20%. And most of us, Karen, pay 15%. So your accountant was really giving you sage advice when he said, listen, if we can spend, and this is the thing I try to preach and teach to, to my clients as well. If we can spend the first 20, 25 years of work, living below our means, And taking some of those extra dollars and putting them into investments so that when we get past that 25, that 30, that 35 year mark, now a good percentage of our income, let's call it a fifth, maybe even a third is being drawn from, as you say, investment income. What are we talking about? Because I mean, that sounds a little big to most people. Most of the time we're talking about money from mutual funds, money from stocks. We're talking about monies that are generating a return that is higher than the normal interest rate that you would get if you put your money in a savings account. So the bottom line is Karen, part of strategic tax planning is managing those brackets. And so as you say, quote unquote, wealthy individuals you know, tend to have a large chunk of their income coming from those passive sources where the tax rate is very low. The other thing that you mentioned, which is very important to take note of is real estate. And very often rents really get favored tax treatment. They're defined by the code as passive investments. And here's what I mean. If I generate income from, say, a side business, I'm going to pay as you mentioned earlier, the federal income tax, I'm gonna pay the state income tax, but I'm also gonna pay these FICA and Medicare taxes, commonly known as self-employment taxes. For and self-employed individuals, that's 13%. Now, if I were to receive the same money in terms of rent income, net rent income, I'd only be subject to the state income tax and the federal income tax, but not the self-employment income tax or self-employment tax. Therein lies some of the differences that we can draw just from how we deploy our money. So you're right on you're right on time. Here's the other thing I want to mention, Karen, because we are talking about April 18th, normally April 15th. There there is about $1.5 billion sitting on the table that's about to be forfeited from folks who failed to file income taxes for tax year
0: 2018.
1: What? You heard me. You only get three years to claim a refund. And IRS has just reported, again, I'm reading from their disclosure, approximately $1.5 billion in refunds for people who have not filed a 2018 federal income tax return. So I always remind folks, you know, because sometimes I'm sure you hear this, Karen, like I hear it. Folks will say, I say, well, why, why are you not filing? They say, oh, Lou, Lou, well, it's because they owe me, quote unquote. Well, they only gonna owe you if that's true for three years. After that, you forfeit your right to a refund.
0: Wow, I thought it was infinite. Look at that, look at that, that right there. And and you're right, you know, if you don't file and they owe you, you're, there's no penalty but why would you leave that money on the table? But I also feel like if you're getting a huge refund, unless you're doing some shenanigans and you have a favorite uncle that does your taxes and you always get a refund, even if you don't, you know, you unclaim claim some people that you yeah. shouldn't be claiming. Unless it's that, if you're getting a refund, that also means you've lent the government money for the year. You've lent the government money, you know, if it's a couple of thousand dollars interest, you know, lent the money that could be in, in an investment account. You
1: are so on point here. It is no badge of honor to have a, I got $5,000 refund. That to me, as a CPA, as a lawyer, that sounds to me like a gross miscalculation because you're absolutely right, particularly in an inflationary economy. We know right now that the annual rate of inflation is on the pace to be about 9% this year. So in a situation, in an environment where you're paying more, for gasoline, more for clothing, more for food, et cetera, et cetera. Why, as you put it, Karen, why would you make an interest-free loan to the government when you could use that money to deal with some of those added costs and expenses, let alone use that money to pay down some high interest debt?
0: Come on. You know, but on that front, um, for folk that are getting these refunds and not deploying their money to build their wealth, which is what we want everyone to be wealthy, which is why we have these conversations frequently. Um, what What are we not taught? You know, like you, you, you've been in this space for how long, Lou? Just give people some, some, you yeah. know, because you got the law degree and you're a, a certified public accountant.
1: You know, Karen. Listen, it it, it starts really with the idea because I hear people always talk about generational wealth. And I think that's a um, noble aspiration. I encourage people. But I say the first thing we have to do is we have to generate free cash flow. Now, again, your parents, my parents probably say, son, don't ever live beyond your means. As a matter of fact, live below your means. And 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 you apply that principle. So I start off and I say to people, the goal is to live on about no more, no more than 90% of your cash. So if you get a paycheck for $1,000, you don't want to be living on $1,000. You want to be living on $900. That free cash flow of $100 puts us in a position to do a lot of things, Karen. For example, folks think about uh, strategic investing. Well, to me, I say, well, one of the first tax efficient things that you can do, even if you don't have a qualified retirement account at work, is you can put that money into an individual retirement account. Now, folks say, yeah, yeah I heard that time and time again, but that's a big deal because it allows us to grow our nest egg tax efficiently without paying current taxes on the returns on our investments, so we don't have to pay that twenty percent as we go. It just accumulates. The other thing, a lot of folks, and you and I can relate to this because you've been you, a, a college college professor. You you know the deal. We all, I think, want to see our children get as far ahead educational as possible. So why not start with what is available throughout the country within each state. Why not take that extra $100 or a portion of it and put it in a college savings plan? It's called the 529 College Savings Plan. It grows tax efficiently. This is money that's invested. And if you take it out and you use it for educational purposes, guess what, Karen? It's tax-free. Come on. See, we can keep going. We got a health savings account. We can say, hey, hey, listen, folks, listen, and, and because a lot of folks will say, well, Lou, I can't contribute to an individual retirement account because my income is a bit too high and I don't get it. It's not tax deductible. Well, if you contribute to a health savings account, there's no income limit, but you have to meet some fine language there in terms of being participating in a high deductible health plan, but we can address all of that. But the point is All of these various options are available. So when we talk about producing generational wealth, we got to start with some basic fundamentals. And that, Karen, is where I think we make our biggest mistake. Mm -hmm. We don't take advantage of this low-hanging fruit. And in turn, it means that we really don't build the momentum that we are capable of.
0: Lou Hutt, at Lou Hutt, excuse me, H-U-T-T-L-O-U, H-U-T-T on the Twitters, follow him. Facebook, follow him everywhere. Um, also, I think uh, many of us, are we have homes, but our homes are a liability, not an asset, because mm. we put a lot into the show of the home, not into the value of the home. And as folk that were once, you know, generationally, you know, ago, real estate or commodities ourselves, we yes. should understand the value, And we and this is how we keep losing wealth, subprime loans, all of this. But those loans, they can't target us if you own your home. That puts the power in your hand. And by ownership, I mean not heavily leveraged where you are underwater or right at the base where you can only pay that minimum every single month and and get into a position where your real estate is you're able to rent out and and get those same uh, the, the value that you were talking about earlier in terms of the rent. But I think too many of us look at the home as a status symbol, not as a piece of wealth building.
1: Well, you know, again, keen insight. For most people, the value of your home, the equity that you have in your home is the biggest asset on your personal balance sheet. Not to mention, you know, because there's been sort of, you know, and there've been some changes in the tax laws since 2018. But some folks kind of got the impression, well, does it really make sense for me to invest in a home? Hell yeah, for a lot of reasons. Number one, as you point out, there's an appreciation, generally speaking, in a home. That equity, that appreciation creates uh, uh, a larger and larger spread, if you will, between the value and the debt. The difference between that spread, the value and the debt, represents your equity. Now, generally speaking, if we manage our credit appropriately, we can borrow against that equity. That's a big deal. If I'm about to start a business, most entrepreneurs, many, have borrowed. They've taken home equity loans. They had to have equity in their homes to do it. A lot of times, Karen, we were just talking about education. Folks get to the point where, you know, it's time for Malcolm to go to college. Or it's it's time for Serena to go to college. And they say, well, we're a little short. Well, if you have a home equity loan. Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily your first move, but it's nice to have that as a backup. Folks talk about sometimes, uh, well, Luke, I'm going to retire, but I'm a little short in terms of my retirement money. Well, the beautiful thing, one beautiful thing in the tax code is that when you sell the personal residence, as long as you've been in there for at least two years, and you're the principal owner, If you're single, you can exclude up to $250,000 of the gain on the sale. Karen, that's hard. Cash, no tax. If if you're a couple, that's $500,000. So don't tell me it's still not like you're saying. I always tell young people, older people, it doesn't matter what your age is. That's a great investment. And I like what you were saying. You can leverage. Sometimes people leverage and they downsize or they do other things to free up cash so then they can invest in income producing real estate. And, you know, all this is to say, Karen, if we go through, uh, and, and you're already engaged in it with your professional relationship. And I tell people get a professional relationship It's difference between having a professional relationship and a transactional relationship. See, if you go going to see somebody today and you won't see them for a year, from now you don't have a relationship Mm -hmm. that's a transaction that's right so uh, you know again i I think your 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 suggestions are are right on point and the home ownership piece is a great a centerpiece of anybody's portfolio
0: i meet with my person once a month it's like therapy because you gotta you know there's a lot going on in our lives we gotta be on track and make sure we're doing the right thing so we don't get shocked at the end like oh my god uh, you ready to take some calls, Lou Hut? Oh, Lou I Hutt, Hutt is to.
1: here. Love to, love
0: to. All right, let's go to Herman in Georgia. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. You're on with Lou Hut.
2: Uh, good afternoon, Karen and Lou.
0: Hey.
1: Hey, Herman.
2: Yeah. So, Karen, let me first say, yeah, I agree with what you say about uh, Mr. Mr. Lou. There, he is a G, and I, I I always listen to him. I listen to him on Saturday every time I can. So. Karen, thank you for uh bringing Lou on today is very timely, so thank you and I appreciate Absolutely. everything you always do karen thank so uh, mr Mr. Lou, I have a uh investment property it's a rental property mm-hmm. and um about a year or so ago when I took out my uh mortgage on my new home um you know the uh the credit union and you know I'm not gonna say their name navy federal but um, you know, when I took out my my, my mortgage on my new home, that's mm-hmm. my principal residence. Uh, my my rental property the year before, I had claimed a loss on it because I did some repairs. You know, because of a bursted pipe and maybe some other maintenance. But again, when I when I uh, when I was trying to get my well, I did get my my mortgage on my new home they 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 viewed my rental property as a liability because I had claimed a loss mm-hmm. on my income taxes they, they they looked at it as a liability and they used that as an excuse to charge me a higher interest rate as well as a higher down payment so mr it's, lou what, what 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 do you recommend in a situation like that what what should our strategies be You know, when we have investment properties that we have to claim a loss because of repairs and and things of of that nature.
1: Hey, Herman, listen, you're very insightful and I appreciate uh, you sharing that. Um, Listen, when it comes to uh, gaining access to capital, that's, that's really what you're talking about. The key is income, profitability, or call it all together, free cash flow. So when a mortgage company is evaluating whether to extend a loan, they're looking at a lot of factors. One of the key is what is the stream of income? Because the stream of income will dictate in many respects, the ability of the borrower to repay. Now here's how this all comes together. Watch this Karen, because the deal is, is, if they're evaluating your situation, and you're showing a string of losses, whether you be in real estate, whether you're in a part-time business, whether you're in a side hustle, rather than that being viewed, as you put it, Herman, as a asset, they're looking at it, that's a depletion of your cash flow. And you can say all day, well, you know, for tax reasons, you know, I did it. it," And they say, well, 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 but listen, all we can go on is the, the document you submitted to the government. And that says you didn't make any money. So my point is this, Herman, when we, and I say this to all my clients, I want you to be profitable. Now, the goal is to minimize the taxes associated with the profit, but don't be fooled. To thinking I'm going to be able to get ahead, and I mean get ahead in terms of gaining access to more capital, buying more rental properties, expanding my business, per- investing in a franchise, all of those kind of things. Don't get, don't be fooled to say, well, I can, you know, record losses every day. And when I get ready to go get a mortgage, or when I go re- get, get, you know, get any kind of loan, I'm gonna get a good deal. So so, Herman, your point is, and I think it's very appropriate, you know, hopefully the amount of loss that you were dealing with was not that significant, but it can be a detriment.
0: But, you know, Lou, and thank you, Herman, for all of the the things, you know, in your question. But, Lou, you know, many of us grew up with this kind of lack mentality where, again, getting a refund was the goal. Right. So we have always kind of manipulated our taxes to get a refund. And those, the refund, you have to show losses instead of building wealth, instead of building our portfolio. So, you know, before I made my next move, uh, to to purchase a property. For two years, Lou, I planned for that, which meant I knew they needed two years of taxes. So each year you had to show a growth from the previous year. I knew that my credit score had to be above 750 because that's the best rate. So for two years, I got my credit score up over 800. It took two years to do all of that. I had to make sure I had no debt, right? So I paid off my cars and all of that. And thanks to Chris Hogan, that was a thing. And because I was like, nah, that's good debt. Nope, paid off everything. Yes. And then it's impossible for them to tell you no and impossible for them not to give you the go and rate if you have everything lined up. You don't want to give them, especially if you think racism is at the root of everything, yes. any reason to deny you showing losses. So again, he asks for strategy. What's your game plan? If it's to start a business, buy real estate, get get a loan or do something like that, put yourself in a position to win and see ahead two years.
1: you got it because Karen, it is a process. See folks think that you can just like a light switch, just turn it on. Well, how can I get that long? Why won't the bank loan me the money? Well, listen, as you say, there's definitely some impediments that we face, but, but you know, that's why we got to strategically position ourselves as you just mentioned, where it's hard, if not impossible, to tell us no. See, because we gotta know, all right, like you say, fundamentally, let's work on the credit piece. Let's just make sure that we pay our debts on time. See, that's that's one big ingredient in a credit score. The second big ingredient in a credit score, st- score is debt utilization. So if I got a credit card that let's say is, is, is $10,000, if, my, if I'm borrowed up to $9,950, well, I'm over leveraged. That's going to decrease. Um, it's going to reduce my credit score significantly. So maybe, as you put it, I've got to work on that for a period of time. Then my next step is, all right, while I'm doing that, I I, I want to maybe put a little Little breathing room on on my equity in my home, so I put, if nothing else, I put fifty dollars more on every mortgage payment, another hundred dollars, and and then over here, sitting over here on the side of these high interest credit card accounts, and I, I I wanna I wanna deal with that, and I'm also looking, by the way, Karen, while I'm doing this, and I like that two year span of time you mentioned, I'm doing this, I'm also looking for promotional campaigns by credit card companies which allow you to transfer a credit card into another company, another visa, whatever, whatever. And all of a sudden for, for 12 months or 18 months, I get it interest-free. I love then that I, move. I'm reducing yes. the principal. See, but, but as you say, sometimes folks think, and, and I get it because I do a lot of coaching and, and folks say, Oh, Luke, this is, this is, I, they don't say it directly, Karen, but what they're really trying to say is this is so boring. Come on, Lou, Give me, give me the real deal. I, no, you're not ready yet. We we gotta take, we gotta clean up the house. We gotta do some some house cleaning first. Mm-hmm. But as you say, if we do that systematically, most of the time we can get to the goal line.
0: I couldn't agree more. Uh, Vegas two. Cali swag. Mike cold unders- underscore. Way on Twitter says why the tax rules set up like this where the extremely wealthy folks are allowed to skirt tax laws and I'm subject to them. Well, the world is built, this this country is built on wealthy, on the wealthy winning. So let's play the game, right? I mean, the the tax laws aren't going to change as long as you got now corporations or people, wealthy people can buy politicians and they are in a position to move levers of power, whether we're talking about, you know, Twitter or newspapers or the financial systems. The goal is not to complain about the rules. These are the rules until you get into the position to change them. These are the rules, so let's let's master hey, the rules. Hey, Karen, that's another thing
1: about free cash flow. You can support candidates that believe in the same principles you believe in. See, hey, hey listen, it's hard to win a campaign without a lot of contributions. I mean, you know, that's that's the oil. So, so your your points take well taken. I mean, there is, and, and 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 let's be somewhat fair about this. If you are lower to moderate income, there are a heck of a lot of uh, benefits. I mean, from the earned income tax credit to the child tax credit. I mean, uh, the the, the Biden Harris administration has been on a tear, mm-hmm. and you know I have to give them credit in a lot of those areas. Okay, they have really made, and they're still pushing for more relief now. Our system, however, is such that when you get to that middle class, you you can't feel the squeeze, mm-hmm. which is why we say as you approach that middle class uh, status, it is important to think about the investments that you mentioned earlier, Karen, whether it be real estate, whether it be a side hustle, whether it be a full-time business, we've got to start thinking in that season of life, what makes sense. And uh, and then that can lead to some, some benefits that not only, uh, wealthy people enjoy it, but people of modest income can enjoy it.
0: And, and that middle class, which you, most of us are in, most yeah. of us are in that middle class, especially SiriusXM listener because you're paying for radio. So you, you, you're not going to be able to probably benefit from those tax credits and all of the credits for people of low to moderate income because you're in the middle class now. And I remember Drew talking about this a couple of weeks ago with his parents. He was like, you know, then they did everything right, and it still wasn't enough for you know the elder care and the 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 housing and all the things you need when you're older. As much yes. as they saved, it wasn't enough because the middle class, there's not too many. You know, you're not going to get the breaks, you're not going to get the, the write offs, you're not going to get all of the things that you would get if you maybe made twenty thousand dollars less. And unfortunately, this is where we are. Karen. Right, yeah,
1: you're right. When you, when you get to middle, see, it, it's not going to be. Um... You know, I use the analogy sometimes, you know, uh, you know, you go to work, come home, you know, uh, you watch TV, you know, I mean, you go out, you order, uh, you know, uh, delivery of food, and then you get up the next day and do it again. I mean, listen, you can't be passive about this thing. As you mentioned, Drew was talking to his parents. You know, I hear that sort of testimony very frequently. People say, if I could have, when I should have. See, and that's why. You know, you were talking about you meet with your advisor on a regular basis. This is the point. You know, you can't be sometimes you can't be great at everything, even if you in an upward uh, pattern on your job and your career and your profession and your business. It's hard to step back and say, "Well, now where am I vulnerable? What am I missing? Missing? Where are my risk points?" And if you have an advisor, very often they can look at your situation, your DNA, very objectively. They can say, "Hey, Karen, you're doing really, really well here and there. I'm a little bit concerned about this contingency. So I'm going to suggest that maybe we think about taking this move." And and you'd be surprised. Again, it's always I say it's it's not only cost beneficial but it it increases the return on investment
0: we're gonna uh rapid fire take all of the rest of the callers and all the lines are lit for you lou hutt and if you miss today he'll be on saturday live on his show uh 9 a.m to 11 a.m on 126 uh but it's like you know uh i'm gonna put a scripture out there plans fail for lack of counsel with many advisors they succeed we're, we're not supposed to know everything. We're not supposed to be great at everything, Lou Hutt. We, that's why we have people. We, so you rely on the people that are great advisors in your life, whether we're talking about relationships, Thank whether you. we're talking about business, money, all of that. You need to surround yourself with a board of directors, as Drew would uh, say, you know, in your life, to work through these things because we're not supposed to do this by ourselves. It's too hard. This,
1: this is financial health and wellness. That's we right. go to our physician. Why do we go once a year or maybe more frequently than that? Because we say, hey, 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 listen, they can, you know, they can examine us. They can do some lab work. They can give us some constructive feedback and then hopefully improve, uh, lay a pathway that will improve our health and wellness going forward. Same concept, except as you say, Ken, we 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 we, we sir, sort of weren't raised on that concept. Uh, we were sort of raised, uh, you know, and, and, to some degree, I understand it, uh, but we, we can be risk-averse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we sometimes hesitate to uh, do small things that can save money, which in aggregate can add up to big money. And, and so we've got to sort of work with our mindset as well as working with our spending habits and, as I say, our investment practices.
0: Lou, we were talking off mic. And I said, you know, the reason why this is so important, of course, people are going to have tax questions. Because at some point, yes, there is a systemic racism that that many of us experience. But when you get to the other side of this game, and it is a game with rules, when you sure. master the rules and you get to the other side, things become easier. And we need more people on the other side so they can open up things on that other side. We need more people on the other side of this. And when you get to the other side, you realize, oh, there are all of these things I can do now. And that freedom that we talk about every day on these airwaves becomes more attainable. And that's my goal. I want everyone free.
1: Let's face it. We talk about black owned businesses, which I, I mean, listen, I, 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 that, that's the subject that's, uh, that, that just takes my heart. I mean, I am so bullish about, us creating enterprises that we own and control. That takes investors. That takes investors. It also takes patronage. See, we have to be, you know, patient and committed enough to say, Hey, listen, (laughs) whether it's the Lou hut firm or whether it's the Karen Hunter firm, I'm going to take that extra step to find a competitive product or service that is managed and delivered by somebody that looks like me. That's right. Also, when I create that free cash flow, if there is a deserving company that offers the prospect of a reasonable, I'm not talking about no pie in the sky stuff, but a reasonable rate of return for me, an opportunity for me to grow my money. Maybe I'm going to take a pill off just a little bit and invest in that company. That's how the deal works. Otherwise, and I don't have any problems, but face it, otherwise, we kind of just talking. Mm. And and it's hard to make progress that way. I mean, we got young people coming up. IT wizards, cybersecurity gurus, they can do exactly what Zuckerberg and the rest of them are doing in Silicon Valley. They can do it. But it takes capital. That's right. And, you know, as we talked about before, it takes a little bit of guidance, but that's available. But the resources see, because it, it, getting back to an earlier discussion, if we talk about accessing capital, it's easy to borrow money from a bank when you don't need it.
0: Come on. Meaning,
1: yes. if you got capital, if you got investment money, all of the banks are lined up saying can we can, can we loan you well how can we serve you your, your, your personally how can we serve your business oh do you want us to refinance your mortgage uh is that rental property oh are you thinking karen they're all over folks like that that's right
0: it's true it is so
1: totally true. you know I, I listen to your show every day and and my god boy, i see you know because you, you you're so inspirational and uh your message is just universal and and I like whenever you and I get together I like to just take it in the realm of economics because as you say a lot of times people look gun-shy they don't like to talk a lot about the money thing you know they they dance around it but they don't really want to talk about it and I say hey listen let's just be real about this <laughs> hey as said uh, hey as, as Janet Jackson said and Luther said the best things in life and free but most of them cost money
0: <laughs> <You bet. laughs> Uh, Lou Hutt is here. Uh, one of the best shows that we have on Urban View, especially on a Saturday when you're driving around getting your your things done. I'm just loving the conversations and the callers. And let's get some in today. Avet, uh, thank you for holding in Atlanta. She hasn't filed her taxes yet. <laughs> what should she do? I have not filed my taxes yet. <laughs> okay, so I'm one of those procrastinators, and I've been procrastinating since 2018, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had the mindset that, hey, they owe me, right? Yeah. Um, and I may have missed part of your conversation, but is there anything I could do now to like claim that? Can I go ahead and file for my 2018?
1: Hey, 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 Yvette, thank you so much for calling. See, because you, you, you are uh, secure enough to put that on the table. All right, now here's the thing. I am not a herky jerk kind of person when it comes to filing an income tax return. And here's why they are legal ramifications, meaning this is a document that you sign under penalties of perjury. So when folks fill out a tax return, I want you to be aware of that. And, 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 And ladies and gentlemen, when you file jointly, you ought to be aware of the fact that you are jointly and severally liable. That means the service can go after one of you. Or you can go after both of you. You can go after whoever they find the money with. And by the way, again, if there's fraud, they don't have, they got more than three years to go after you. They got six years. So let's get that out of the way. Now, having said all of that, Yvette, I don't want you to leave money on the table. So I'm going to make an exception for someone like you. Get get the tax return done before midnight tonight and e-file it.
0: Now, so should she go to TurboTax, Lou? What, like where oh, should she go? No, no, no! You said Work. I'm sorry. Gosh. I'm sorry, Lou. <laughs> what? What should she do? All right, oh, all right.
1: <laughs> panic, panic attack. <laughs> all right, I'm good. So no, here's what you're gonna do. Here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna drop a note to LouHut.com. I'm going to find out what area you're in. And if we can't help you, I'm going to send you to a good source. Oh, wow. Is that a fair deal? Yvette, Yvette?
0: hello. That's a deal. Come on. That's a deal. Lou Hut just, man, y'all don't even know. That's like thousands of dollars in value right now, <laughs> Luhut.com. LouHut.com, Yvette, go there and drop a note. And we're going to get them taxes filed by midnight tonight electronically so she can get her refund. Now, what does she do about 2019 and 2020 and how to well, Great
1: point. Great point. And here's another time. Let me double down on this concept too, because Yvette, you're good, but I am very concerned about folks that are, let's face it, they call them in the service, IRS calls them non-filers because we're talking about potentially, a lot of folks are worried about the penalty. They say, oh, well, going to penalize me. Yeah, that's, that's a potential outcome. Oh, I'm going to lead the money on the table. Yeah, that's a problem too. But the biggest problem I'm concerned about carrying an event, the biggest problem is prosecution. You can be prosecuted for failure to file. We've had celebrities who have done time. Now, we talked earlier. About, you know, kind of making your way up to the middle class and so forth. As you make it up that ladder, you're you're at greater risk for prosecution. It is selected.
0: Right. Everybody so they wanna get, get the people that they could get money from. That's Come on now. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like Karen,
1: everybody don't get a speed ticket, but some people
0: are. Yes. It is tax day. If you have not filed, you have until midnight to file. Lou Hutt is here. He's also here on Saturdays, 126, 9 a.m. Eastern, where you can call in and ask him questions if you didn't get your questions answered today. Uh, but let's just head back to the phones because folk have been holding on for a long time. <laughs> Helen in North Carolina has a question about a 1099. You're on with Lou Hutt. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, Karen. Hi, Hi. Mr. Hutt. How are you? I have a question about a 1099 that I received from an insurance company. Uh Uh, The long and the short is I had a policy on my son, and I needed some money. Well, he needed some money, so I got a loan from the policy. And that was in 2002. I could not at that time afford to pay the interest or whatever. So Mm -hmm. as years went on, I looked at it, and I thought, mm, this is not going to be worth anything after a while, so I may as well just cash it in and let him take out another policy, and then I can use those proceeds to help pay for that. So mm-hmm. they sent me a ten ninety nine. I cashed it in in January twenty twenty one. They sent me a ten ninety nine for twelve thousand three hundred sixty seven dollars and thirty two cents, mm. but the check that I received was three thousand one hundred seventy seven
1: dollars. So I'm like, what? Mm.
0: Well, you know,
1: here's my read, and I could be wrong about this, uh, Karen. We, we need to, to maybe do a little homework, uh, look at the details. But what happens is if you take out a loan and the loan is canceled, and sometimes when you're dealing with an insurance policy, there may be a buildup of value. Uh, so you may have had a situation where there was a buildup of value that you receive, you know, three thousand some odd number uh, dollars, but this cancellation of debt could have triggered a tax effect, and and I, and I have to tell you, you, you know, we uh, are coming through a pandemic. Uh, it's been difficult financially for a lot of folk, and 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 in some instances, uh, just to settle the debt. Uh, Individuals have negotiated, and again, whether it be an insurance company, credit card company, a bank, or whatever, and the bank and and, and, the, and the, the the debtor has said, okay, um, or the lender, I should say, has said, okay, well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll abate a part of this, or or we're not going to pursue collection. Now, generally, for most of us, when we hear that, we immediately say, man, wow, I dodged that. That's a good thing, but they don't tell you. That the as Karen said, the rules require them to report the cancellation of that debt to the IRS and they have to issue you a 1099 and and a copy of that by the way, goes to the Internal Revenue Service. So unfortunately, this is a this is an item we got to put on your tax return. Now there are a few exceptions to whether or not it is ultimately taxable, but we have to work that through. So you got a situation definitely worth taking a critical look at, because uh, there may be some options, but you know, as a general rule, we may be faced with a taxable transaction, okay? I, re-
0: I remember, and yeah, please do that. Please follow up Helen in North Carolina. Thank you for calling. Um, right. Lou, I, I, put, I took a loan out or I cashed out a 401k or something. And I need, you know, when we cash things out, we need the money. So there's like, we're not doing it to save money or invest. We're doing it because we need the money. Yes. And I remember that tax year, they, my accountant told me that that's now income. And I'm like, now all of it's income. So I remember that year I was like expecting a refund. I didn't get a refund because that cashing out. And then I didn't have the money anymore because I spent it on whatever I needed it for at that time. But now that was counted as income and it raised my my bill, which should have been a refund to nothing. And I was like, how's that income? It's my money that's already in this thing. So whether it's an insurance policy, we have to read the fine lines. You know, we have to read all of the the paperwork and not be so quick to get that money because we need it. Desperate times will put you in a serious deficit if we're not careful.
1: Let me give you just a quick takeoff of what you just pointed out because this is this is you talking about red herrings on a four hundred one k. Let's say you borrow against your four hundred one k. Many of these four hundred one ks allow you to do it up to about fifty thousand dollars, and you, God forbid, lose your job. You have sixty days to repay the full amount of that loan. If the you full don't, repay the full amount loan it, within sixty days. It is considered a distribution from your retirement plan. Now, check this out, Karen. If you're not 59 and a half, not only are you going to pay income tax on the amount of that unpaid loan, you going to get a 1099, but if you're not 59 and a half, you also could be subject to that 10% premature withdrawal penalty. Not to mention we haven't talked about the state income tax piece of this. So as you point out, we've got to look at the fine print. It, although it may be easy, it may be easily accessible to borrow against a 401k. We've got to look at the, the, the downside risk and ask ourselves, is this really the approach or the alternative that is in our best interest in the long term?
0: But when people are desperate, When they have outstanding things that have to be addressed, because, you know, I also feel like desperation in a moment may not really be desperation. It just looks like it, you know, and it then causes it triggers us to make bad decisions. Right. Which is why I'm like financial independence has got to be the goal having your own back has to be the goal. Being your own bank has to be the goal because making decisions out of lack will always be wrong, will always lead us down a wrong path. What are some preventive things like, wow. you know, that people can do? Oh, do
1: and this is such a rich discussion. Can we, can we, can we keep this going? You know? yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, here's the deal. Here's the deal, Karen. I got, I got the answer to that. And again, fundamentals. Sometimes clients say, well, why do I have to, why do I have to do this before I can do XYZ? I said, because if you don't have an emergency fund, if you don't have a rainy day fund, when stuff happens, you'll have to reach out and cash out the IRA. You'll have to cash in on the 401k. You'll have to liquidate the H- HSA. You'll have to dip into the 529. All of the things that we put in place to build wealth tax efficiently, the plan has gone out of the window because we weren't prepared. My thinking is, Karen, before we can, you know, and I'm saying comfortably, make sizable investments in a 401k. We got to put away an emergency fund. You know, one of the things that's that's being talked about today, particularly in a high-inflationary economy, are I-bonds. And I-bonds are uh, very attractive in a high-inflationary environment because they're adjusted based upon the federal rate of inflation. Good thing is, I mean, you you pay income tax on the interest, but you don't pay income on the federal side, but you don't pay it on the state side. But here's the, here's the thing. Don't do it if you can't afford to lock your money up for six months or a year because otherwise you got a problem. So, again, you can't participate in some of these opportunities if we, number one, don't generate free cash flow, Number two, don't focus on becoming a saver. And number three, don't focus on becoming an investor. So what can we do proactive? Start with the fundamentals. And a lot of times it's like, it's like Karen, you know, it's like people having a personal trainer. I mean, you know, it's like you could do it, but to keep you on track, to, to, to help you build up your endurance gradually so that you don't, you know, go to an extreme level for 2 weeks and then quit. You know, you, you go to a trainer. You go to somebody that's going to help you stay focused. And it's going to get you in those times where, you know, you really have that urge to splurge and he says, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember we got a plan." And by the way, part of our plan is you take a chunk of this money and that's fun money. right? I mean, none of this is I mean, you no one's preaching that, you know, you got to keep your your nose to the grindstone and you can't have no fun. I believe in having fun within limits, right? Mm-hmm. So we, I believe most people can achieve all of these things if we put a comprehensive strategy together that includes taxes, business, and money.
0: I couldn't agree more. Oh, 866 801 And that requires some discipline which we gotta have. You know, we want we want our children to 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 follow certain things and we don't do them not ourselves. Uh Calvin in DC, that's the last call we're gonna take. We gotta let Lou Hutt go. Uh and Saturdays you can tune in uh nine AM Eastern on one twenty six, and he takes calls there as well. So if you didn't get your questions answered, that's where you go. Calvin, hi. Hello,
2: Ms. Karen Hunter and Ms. Lou Hutt. Hi, hi. First time caller.
0: Okay, welcome. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) I
2: I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, I I come from a school uh, where you put a $20 away a week when Mm -hmm. I was young. And and within five or six years, you got a nice little egg nest on the side. And as I I went along through my government career, federal government, and I invested in the Thrift Savings Plan, Mm -hmm. I did pretty well in it until COVID hit. And I knocked out about $150,000 out of my account, like overnight. Yeah. So I had planned on t- retiring uh, within two years after the COVID. But when yeah. they knocked my, my uh, amount down so much, I said, man, what do I do now? And a lot of people told me I should take some of it out, invest it in other things. But I'm not sure. I'm not a scholar. So I asked somebody like you, Mr. Hutt, who knows? All
1: right. Well, you know, once again, great, great point. And it gives me an opportunity to emphasize a concept. And the concept is diversification. You have to be diversified. See, pros, pros, I'm not talking about promoters, pros will say, you don't put all your money in one basket. You don't put all your money in real estate. You don't put all your money in tech stocks. You don't put all your money. I I, I hope like heck you don't put all your money in cryptocurrency. You don't put all your money in certain pockets. You try to create a blend, Calvin. Because the idea if you create a blend is that if one aspect of your portfolio is hit, pandemic would be an example. That there may be other parts of your pandem- or your portfolio that are growing. Now, here's another concept to keep in mind. I said diversification. Patience. See, when you're invested, understand the market will fluctuate. When we went through the, uh, the mortgage meltdown back in 2008, folks said, oh, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. And in 2012, the market snapped back. And as a matter of fact, if you had stayed in there since 2012, you probably would have seen about a 20, 20, 30% return on your portfolio. The stock market has returned over the past 50 years, an average rate of about 10%. Now, should you put all your money in stock? I just said no. Should you put some of it? Probably yes. Now, does that depend? It depends. Everybody's DNA is different. That's why you see a pro, but you're on the right track, Calvin. And, and, and I would say again, talk to your advisor before you withdraw money. Because if you can, if you can kind of, you know, edge this thing on for a little bit longer, who knows you might be in a position where you recover anything that, that you lost in terms of paper value. And, and in the years ahead, you might uh, find yourself in a gain position. Okay. Mm-hmm
0: excellent excellent uh and good luck with that calvin in dc so just to recap today is tax day file <laughs> hey, hey, hey karen
1: what one, yeah. one, one last thing
0: <laughs> yeah no you, come on you, you,
1: you can't file an extension by the way
0: okay so how does that work so so say like um the, the young lady that didn't is going to reach out to you that didn't file for 2018 can she file an extension for 2018
1: She's done. She's okay. got to do
0: it by she midnight. she got to do it by tonight midnight or right. she loses right. that right. refund. Right. Okay. So for each year,
1: each separate tax year. So if you have not filed for 2021, you can go to irs.gov. You can go on the website and complete an extension, which if you're caught up with your tax filings, if you're compliant, can give you an automatic extension of up to six months.
0: And why would someone do that? And what does that give them? Wow.
1: Great question. There are two penalties that go along with not filing. One is what's known as a late filing penalty. The other is a late payment penalty. Uh, You prefer to have a late payment penalty, not a late filing penalty. Late filing penalty can be assessed at 5% of the amount due, 5% per month, up to 25%. You don't want that one. So even if it turns out you file the extension, it turns out that you, you know, we get to uh, July.